Hello and welcome to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckman, Senior Pastor, and I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We would also love to have you join us in person at 410 Blake Street in Ray, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1045. We also have Sunday school classes for all ages that begin at 945, and our Spanish service begins at 9 a.m. There are also various other activities and Bible studies that you can be involved in throughout the week, including youth group and children's quizzing. Please visit our website at raynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. We have something for everyone to encounter God with people just like you desiring to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. We do thank you for tuning in this week to the podcast for Ray Church the Nazarene, where we go over uh, messages, sermons from the previous week. This week's message is a continuation in the series entitled Joy out of the book of Philippians. This week we talk about uh, Paul's motivation to serve and how that translates for us in our motivation to serve, the unity that we can strive for in serving, and obviously the joy that comes in serving. Once again, thank you for listening. Good morning, Ray Church, the Nazarene. It's so good to be with you again this morning. Um, I'm actually in Monta Vista. My family and I made a trip down here to get some more things, to finish our move, transition back up there. So we're bringing a a bigger load this time um, and just continuing this process of of moving to be there with you. And so... um, just recording this sermon while I'm here trying to get boxes packed, um, cleaned out my old office and, and things here. So um, so things are a little different this morning, but I'm excited to be with you nonetheless and um, excited for uh, our, our time this morning for this message, talking about joy overall and in, in where Paul is, is really leading us in this book of Philippians. So uh, as we get started, just want to Pray with you real quick as we uh, spend some time together in God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to be together in this way. Uh, things are different, and and we know that, and you know that. But God, we we also know that you uh, you knew this all along, that you were not surprised or caught off guard by this. And this morning, Father, your Word and what you want to say and do through me, I pray, God, would... Uh, be heard by each and every heart this morning, that you would meet with us, that your word would be made alive to us as we spend time with you today. So Father, thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for your word, um, and thank you for this time that we can be together. We ask God that you would bless this time in your precious and holy name. Amen. Well, this morning is uh, part two of our series entitled Joy, and uh, we're spending some time through the book of Philippians. Last week, we talked about joy in suffering out of uh, Philippians chapter 1. And so this week, we're going to be focusing on Philippians chapter 2 and joy in, in serving. And serving is kind of a, a, a weird thing. It's not always something we always attribute joy with. Um, you know, we can think of many times probably we haven't been joyful in, in serving, but but this morning, uh, Paul, I think, has got some, some great instruction for us, modeled through the life of Christ. So, so let's dig in. Uh, I want to begin by reading you this story from um, Maxine Dunham in the workbook on spiritual disciplines. And, and, and he says this, 
The way most of us serve keeps us in control. We choose whom, when, where, and how we will serve. We stay in charge. Jesus is calling for something else. He is calling us to be servants. When we make this choice, we give up the right to be in charge. The amazing thing is that when we make this choice, we experience great freedom. We become available and vulnerable, and we lose our fear of being stepped on or manipulated or taken advantage of. Are not these our basic fears? We do not want to be in a position of weakness. And I think that's so true. We, we have these motivations in the way that we serve, in the way that we desire to serve, and they need to be on our own uh, terms. They need to be on our own um, points where we can say, on, on these conditions, we're going to serve God. Um, out of our own selfishness, our own ambitions, our own agendas, we set these things. And so this morning, uh, in, in talking about joy and serving, the first thing I want to talk about is in our motivation to serve. And so this is found in the first four verses of chapter 2, and I want to read those for you now. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4, says this, Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. So Paul here is addressing a couple of different things uh, in regards to our motivation to serve. In these passages, we can see the theme of unity uh, talked about here as well. And I think it's important for us to understand in the con that in the context of our motivation to serve. Paul instructs us that we need to be in the same spirit, love, and purpose as we serve. This unity with one another in purpose helps us to keep our motivations in check as we serve. When we're working together with, with one another, with the same goal, with the same purpose, with the same end in mind, the same goal, then that's a unity. Um, and, and when we're working in unity with one another on those same things, then we can gauge our own hearts in the midst of that. Is this, am I doing this out of the same ambition, out of the same motives that everybody else is? Or am I trying to get something else done? Is there another, um, another avenue I'm trying to take, another angle in this? But when we work and serve together in unity, it accomplishes the work of the gospel and the essence of the message of the gospel in front of others. So when we are working together under the same banner of Jesus Christ, when we're going in the same direction, doing the same thing for the sake of the gospel, that is that gospel lived out in front of others. And that's attractive. And people want to be a, um, want to be a part of that. We adopt an attitude like Christ when we care for the problems of others as if they were our problems, putting others first. And, and when, we, when we adjust our attitude that way, when we adjust our attitude like what Christ modeled, then when we walk along with somebody else and, and we're carrying that same burden with them, um, again, that's living out this life of Christ. That's, that's serving others well. But we've also seen the opposite of this play out in churches as well. We all know of people who serve with an agenda, 
with the selfish ambition. Uh, they make moves for control. Their alliance is built with others to, to accomplish a subversive plan. And the message of the gospel and the character of Jesus is squelched and misunderstood in front of others when this happens. The, the very exact opposite of what Jesus wants others to see in us, um, that goes away the moment we start working with these selfish ambitions. If Jesus' life and ministry was signified by his humanity, service, and love for others, then our lives need to be marked by the same things. I need to be known. My life needs to be, be made known by how I'm living it in humility and submission to Christ and in my love for others. That's how I want to be known. Our serving others needs to come as a result of our love for God. We can't love and serve others with the right heart and motivation if it isn't first motivated by our love for God. So in other words, it's, it's a barometer. It's, it's, a, it's a way that we can check our relationship and our motives. Is, is this coming out of, out of um, a love for God? Is my relationship with God um, having such an effect on my life that in the way that I serve others, in the way that I conduct myself, in the way that I talk and I speak, is all of those things pointing to Jesus? Our serving also shouldn't come from a place of guilt or fear. So if we serve as a way to fill our need to maybe earn the love of God, or out of a fear that God will reject us if we don't serve, we need to go back and learn again what God's love really means for us. If that's been our motivation, if that's been um, the way that we're perceiving what we are, are supposed to do as, as, as Christians, then we've got something mixed up. Because our service and our love for others comes out of the overflow and the work of God within our own heart and life. So we need to be making sure that we are one with the Father. Serving also doesn't mean that we serve expecting something in return from God or others. And we can't have the idea that serving is a way to manipulate what we want out of God or others. And we've seen that. We've all been around church. We've all been around people. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be in church. We, we probably have seen it in our own workplaces where people are doing things out of an ambition or out of a motivation to get something out of us um, or out of, of those that are, are, are around them. And we maybe are guilty of that ourselves. There may have been times I can think in my own life when I have um, pursued um, certain actions or conducted myself in a way to try and get somebody to uh, return the favor, to manipulate them to do something for me in return. And that's exact opposite of what Jesus says in, in how we are to serve one another. Jesus modeled the perfect motivation for us. He humbled himself as God to become a man, submit to the Father's will, and freely give himself away for us to have a relationship with God. So if we can look at our own lives and we can look at the life of Jesus and we can see how he lived it and how he laid down his life and how he desired to love others in a way that pointed them to the Father, if we can align our hearts and our lives with that, then that's where we begin to get on track. Mr. Sam Rayburn was Speaker of the United States House of Representatives longer than any other man in history. 
There's a story about him that reveals the kind of man he really was. The teenage daughter of a friend of his died suddenly one night. Early the next morning, the man heard a knock on his door, and when he opened it, there was Mr. Rayburn standing outside. The speaker said, I just came, to, came by to see what I could do to help. The father replied in his deep grief and said, I don't think there's anything you can do, Mr. Speaker. We are making all the arrangements. Well, Mr. Rayburn said, have you had your coffee this morning? The man replied that they had not taken time for breakfast. So Mr. Rayburn said that he could at least make coffee for him. While he was working in the kitchen, the man came in and said, Mr. Speaker, I thought you were supposed to be having breakfast at the White House this morning. Well, I was, Mr. Rayburn said, but I called the president and I told him I had a friend who was in trouble and that I couldn't come. And so that's the kind of, of life that, that models what Jesus is talking about, the kind of response to somebody else in their time of need, the kind of response that, that points people to something more than, than what we can just offer in and of ourselves. When we are living a life um, with joy to serve others, it looks a lot like what Jesus modeled for us. So we talked about um, here unity, and we talked about how um, Paul is instructing us in our, in our motivation to serve and how we need to, to be mindful of the ways that we are, are, are motiv- our motives in how we are desiring to serve one another. But we also need to have this unity in the way that we are serving others. Now, the Philippian church, as Paul was writing to it, um, was in this town of Philippi, and it was a very diverse church at this time, and even in its time. People from various backgrounds and walks of life made up this body of believers. If you read in Acts chapter 16, it gives you some insight into what this church was made of, the type of people that were there. In Acts 16, 14, we read about Lydia, and she was a Jewish convert from Asia who was a wealthy businesswoman. In Acts 16, 16 through 17, we meet a slave woman who is likely a native Greek. Then there was the jailer, likely a Roman, that's found in Acts 16, verses 25 through 36. So with all these various types of people making up this body of believers, we can imagine that unity was something that was likely very difficult to maintain. Um, We don't read here in Philippians that there was this issue of disunity, but Paul was purposeful in encouraging them to safeguard this unity. And he addresses it later in in chapters 3 and 4, and we're going to be talking about that in, in the next couple of weeks. But in addition to helping us see this importance of unity, uh, we need to uh, look at here in chapter 2 what he's trying to get us to understand with the concept of unity and serving and finding joy. So earlier we addressed that unity uh, helps us to monitor our motivation to serve. It helps us to see if we're working with others for the same purpose or if we're needing to build alliances against a unifying spirit and purpose. We also need to understand that this unity includes more than our relationships with with one another. This unity is a unity with the Father and His purposes. So we've got this unity that we need to be working on with with one another, this interpersonal relationships, this understanding of of what God is doing, but this unity also with, with God Himself. And if we're not working in unity and with harmony, 
with the Father and how He's directing and leading us, then we're missing it. And this is disunity that, that is going to destroy the church. This unity that we have with, with God lines up with all of our priorities and aligns our hearts with His. So our priorities and our heart is lined up with the heart of the Father. We are, we are going the same direction He's going. We have the same understanding He does. We are valuing the same thing that He does. And so all of those things coming together make the body of Christ a powerful body that motivates and moves people towards the heart of God. It compels us to action to serve others out of a response of God's great love within us. And God's great love is the source of this joy. So here we need to find that and make sure that as we are, are working on this unity and serving, that we're doing it again with the proper motivation and with this unity, not only with, with ourselves and with this purpose and under this banner of God, of Jesus, but with the heart and the understanding of what the Father values. The last thing, as we talk about this, is understanding this joy in serving. To find the joy in serving, we have to understand the source of it that comes through God's love for us and then becomes God's love through us. That is, a, is, is that heart of joy as we are doing things for others. It's God's love coming through us the hands and the feet of Jesus. So when we are apart from the source, selfishness begins to creep back in. This idea that we are entitled or have rights to act or respond a certain way is a mark of this distance. I can spend all this money on myself. I worked hard for it. I can get an abortion. I have a right to control my own body. These are short-sighted responses to conflict within ourselves. These aren't responses that are sourced in the loving relationship with the Father, but they're responses sourced in the selfishness and, and desire to take care of ourselves first. A response that comes from the heart of a submitted follower of Jesus is a life that is lived as Jesus lived. So we serve with humility, even when no one sees or recognizes it. We lay aside our rights in order to serve others. We are submitted to the Father. So there's this connection between the hope of the gospel and serving from a right heart. That connection, that, that beacon of hope is, is shown as we live this out. Paul addressed the need to live our lives marked with certain characteristics. I found this to be an interesting phrase that he uses here in verses 14 through 16 of chapter 2. Let me read those for you. He says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. There is such great hope and victory found in those verses. I love that, that we are called to live this life that's set apart, this life of holiness that becomes then stars in the sky, as he talks about here in verse 15. Stars in the sky. And then in verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life. So not only are we living this life of holiness that becomes stars in a dark, dark world, 
but we also are offering this word of life. All of those things point to this great hope. The gospel is the message of hope. And so our lives, lived in service, submitted to God, is this great message of hope and light in this dark world. A transformed life is an effective witness to the power of God's word. When you, when you hear somebody's story, this, a story of, of, of a life of, of sin, of a life of selfishness, of a life that was, that was committed to, to serving their own needs, wants, and desires, and you hear about this transforming power of God that takes hold in their life, and, and you hear that, that's, that's encouragement to you. And, and when they testify to the work of God in their life, that becomes something that somebody else desires. And, and I got to tell you, people are watching you. People are watching your life. People are watching and listening to the words that you say, to the hope that you're, you're, you're speaking about, to the actions that you're carrying on with, with others and to others. And so, and so we need to begin to ask ourselves, Am I living a life that's characterized by light? Am I holding on to the word of life? When we serve with joy, we are doing something very different from what we see in the world around us. We are serving with the light and love of Christ that has produced joy in our lives. I want to tell the story of, um, of this uh, writer, and I looking through my notes, and I didn't write his name down, so I apologize. But he writes that when he was growing up, his dad was a farmer and not a Christian. He had little interest in faith, having been told by his father that the Bible was a fairy tale. But then a local pastor took an interest in my dad, asking if he could help plow the fields on the weekend. That one act of service spoke louder than words ever could to my dad. By his actions, the pastor made my dad feel loved, and that did more than any preaching could have. He didn't need convincing about the theological correctness of the Bible. He needed to feel God's love for him. This pastor met that need in a practical way, and that's evangelism. And we see within this story that not only is there service and, and a joy in serving, but it's this, again, this message of the gospel that's woven into that. And we can't help but, but proclaim that message of the gospel as we live to serve others. So this morning, as we, as we think about this, and as we think about these verses that Paul writes here, we, we've talked about motivation to serve. And we talked about how sometimes our serving others needs to come as a result of our love for God that we can't love and serve others with the right heart and motivation if it isn't first motivated by our love for God. So we need to get that part right. If our relationship with God is distant and stagnant and, and far away and we, are, we have pulled ourselves away, then we, can't, we have nothing to offer. We have little to offer. This message of hope is, comes from a source of love that comes out of the abundance of the love that's in our heart from God. As we understand and grow in this relationship with God, that becomes the overflow, the, the byproduct of our life sourced in the Father. So we talked about our motivation, and then we've, we talked about unity, and how unity aligned, 
aligns our hearts with God's and helps us to see our motivation in serving. So as we, as we understand our motivation, then we need to work on the unity. And not only just unity amongst ourselves, but unity with the Father. And all of those things begin to weave together this, this testimony of a life that's submitted to God. So as, as we look at our lives and, and we look at the way that, that we speak and the way that we talk and the way that we uh, conduct ourselves, the way that we um, put others before ourselves, that needs to be a part of this whole package that we're trying to work on, that God is desiring to work within ourselves. This um, working out of our salvation, as Paul talks about, we need to be allowing the work of God, the work of the Spirit within our heart, within our lives, to produce this fruit of righteousness, as we talked about last week out of Philippians 1, 9, this fruit of righteousness that needs to come. Paul says it this way, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And that needs to be our prayer too, that, that we are so connected with God, that, that our lives are intertwined. We've talked a lot about this over the last, um, last several weeks together, this, this concept of abiding, being, being interwoven with the presence of God in our life. The last thing we talked about was joy in serving. To find the joy in serving, we have to understand the source of, of it that comes through God's love for us and becomes, becomes God's love through us. So as we understand God's love in us, our response, as we've talked about, is God's love working through us. And that is the essence of the joy in serving. And that's what God is calling us to. This concept of joy, joy in suffering, as we talked about last week, this week, talking about joy in serving. So, I don't know where this message finds you today. I know that there are times when um, I know that my heart isn't in the right place as, as I try to serve, as I'm trying to serve the church, as I'm trying to serve you. Um, there are times when I'm tired. There are times when I'm stressed. There are times when, when things aren't in the right perspective. And, and I'm sure that if you're anything like me, you, you struggle with those things from time to time as well. And inviting the presence of God, inviting God to speak to our hearts, to allow Him to, um, to point out some things that maybe aren't right. So that out of the overflow, out of the connectedness that we have with God in those moments, joy begins to, to come forth. Love begins to come forth. And then we are able to, to spread that to others. We are able to live a life in front of others that proclaims the gospel. And so that's my heart and my prayer for you today. That as, as you are allowing God to speak to you, as you are allowing God to analyze your motivations, to, um, to reevaluate why you do what you do, I pray that it's, it's a time that, that God is able to encourage you to open your life up to something more than what we tend to settle for. We tend to settle for things that are cheap and very short-sighted. But God's got a long-term perspective that if we allow ourselves to align with that, that will bring joy not only to ourselves, but that brings joy to His heart as well. So that's my prayer for you today. Let me pray for you. 
God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the opportunities that we have to live this life of joy around us. So God, help us today. I pray, God, and we invite you to come and speak to each one of our hearts today. Are there areas that we have closed off? Areas that we don't have submitted to you? Areas that that we haven't um, allowed you to change and mold and be shaped through the power of your spirit into your likeness. So God, today we invite you to do that. Father, I pray that you would help us to live this life of the gospel, um, to live it out in front of others. Give us the courage to do that. I pray that the joy that comes from this relationship, maybe the, today a renewed or restored or a brand new relationship with you, that the joy found within that is, is just so visible to those around us. Father, I thank you for this, I know for me, this word of, of encouragement and challenge today. And I pray, God, that you would help us as we go forward from here to live a life joy, joyful in serving. Father, thank you for your love for us. And we pray and we ask these things, God, in your name. Amen.